a Highline podcast. This is Ravel, a roundtable show about the complexity of faith in the age of information. My name's Josh. I'm Stephen. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of American Christianity, and we still keep thinking about how to take it seriously, even as we leave some beliefs behind. We think theology should be an exploratory dialogue, so our hope is that this podcast will encourage growth, both for individuals and communities. We don't have all the answers, but we're here to sort out as much as we can over a drink or two. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening. Greetings, friends. Hello. Welcome. Oh, hey there. Greetings. I'm curious what y'all are drinking today. Ooh. You did not expect me to ask that, did you? Out of all of the things I could have asked about. <laughs> yeah. Out of all the things after 99 episodes of doing this together. Yeah, episode 99, <laughs> shout out. What could we possibly have? Crazy. <laughs> well, my friend, I am still on a Findlay Brewing Company kick. Ayo. Because our friend Tyler was just amazing and sent us all care packages of beer that he assists in brewing. So today I am enjoying the Hike Camp Kolsch. And it's just oh. good. It, if this isn't just the perfect summer beer for a hot day like this, I don't. I have it in one of my favorite mugs that I keep in the freezer to keep it frosty. And it's just this beautiful, like golden wheat color. Just a lovely, just a small head on the pour. And it's just so light and refreshing right now. It's perfect. Oh. It's a perfect beer. See, and that was the first one that I tried. Yeah. When we. Did I think it was episode 97? I think you're and, right. And uh, yeah, and so I'm also on a Finley kick. Thank you, Tyler. Brilliant beers so far. Um, the one that I'm having is the Brilliant City Blonde. It's a nice blonde ale. I have Me not too. The, you're, gonna, you're gonna hear a sip. Amazing. Ready? Are you ready for this? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Sold. Y'all, it's sold. This description it says it is a golden blonde ale that is clean and crisp and brewed with perfect amount of centennial and cascade hops. Amen to a T. It is clean and crisp and just delightful on the tongue. Wonderfully done. Lovely. My can of it is not quite as chilled as I wish it was. I just put them in the fridge like an hour and a half ago, so it's like got a nice cool <sighs> edge to it. But like the fact that it still tastes really, really good at this temperature is a great sign. Like it's very weedy to me. Yes, very good. I'm also drinking an iced Aeropress, <laughs> doubling up on the drugs. Oh wow, there you go. Hey, you're pulling an Emily, and you're two fisting <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> yep, I sure am. I sure am. Amazing. And the other beverage is not water. <laughs> well, I do have. I also have water, but I'm not counting that. Listen, it <gasps> doesn't count as a drink. So you have three water. Nope. No. Nope. Nope. I have two. Water is a tool of the trade as a podcaster. It is not a beverage that counts. It's like it's like asking is water wet? That's you're missing the point. It counts. It does not. I'm sorry. I think you're you're outvoted on this one, Emily. Yeah, well you're also two males and I'm the only female, so hmm. So we will win. Yeah. <laughs> if history is any indication, we will numbers are still numbers. <laughs> Number has no gender. Right. <laughs> You got me. Um, speaking of numbers, 
Wow. Uh, next episode is episode 100. Yep. Which is oh. absolutely crazy. Huge milestone. Thank you to everyone who's listened. Or thank you to everyone who has like found the show and is listening to this episode for the first time, which is wild to me because that is true. That happens sometimes. Oh, if yeah. you left us a review, if you have sent us an email, oh, amazing. or if you're supporting us, like just thank you. Like this is a it's super encouraging to hear that like this is meaningful for us and it's like also meaningful for other people, which is even better, which is what we were hoping and hooray. Awesome. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Cheers. Yay. I was just reflecting on how much Ravel feels like it's more than just the three of us, you know, especially in our Discord group. Man. It's just, it's just a wonderful place. Such a good community we have. It I is. love it. Speaking of which, um, our episode today comes from our Patreon community. <gasps> we have my good friend Lazare who sent in a question that none of us have heard of. Yeah, we haven't. So mm-hmm. none of us mm-hmm. listened to this voice memo yet. So take it away, Lazare. What does it mean to glorify God? In the Westminster Shorter Catechism, it says that like uh, or the, the chief aim of man is to glorify God and to know him forever that's like the only one I remember and I want to know what you think it means <laughs> wow that's great whoa right just start a new section of my notebook here I feel like it's going to take a whole page <laughs> just to get um, yeah <laughs> amazing First of all, I like that question because I think it gets thrown around a lot. I like the invocation of the Westminster Catechism, too, if I'm honest. That's a big brain move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is. I don't know the Westminster Catechism. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up the exact wording because I was pretty sure it was to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yeah, I think he said that. That's what I thought it was, too, but I'm glad you're pulling it up. Oh, this is from reformed.org. I would trust that source for this, then. It's a pretty solid quote. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Got it in one. We got it. I like that it includes enjoy him forever. Enjoy God forever. Mm-hmm. That's a very hopeful idea. I think it's really interesting. So, like, I just looked up a little bit about the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which its original form came from Luther, and it's... 107 questions. It's in question and answer format. And the chief end of man question is placed at the top. And I think it's interesting that the question is, what is the chief end of man? And it's, it's not asking, what does it mean to glorify God? But I still think it's a brilliant question because uh, I almost wonder if the original thinker of the question just wanted us to ask that question. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what does it mean to glorify God? Like, that's almost open to interpretation, and so therefore, it allows us to ask and inform what we think it means. So, Oh, yeah. I would say, just by asking the question, according to like what I'm now learning about the Westminster Catechism, it seems like that's the point. Oh, to inspire more question asking. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. I feel like I have two phrases that are coming to mind for what it means to glorify God. One is one I learned in youth group, which was essentially to make the name of Jesus Christ famous. Famous? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. The yeah, second, where did you say that's from that you feel like you're getting that from? I, I just, I remember learning that phrase in high school, like in youth group. Gotcha. Okay. The second one 
which I resonate with more at this point in my life. Um, I've learned from the Voxology podcast with Mike Erie, where he talks about like my main aim as a Christian is to just make Jesus beautiful. Mm. Not that Jesus needs us to make him beautiful, but may I live my life in such a way that the idea of following Jesus is a beautiful consideration for someone who is on looking my life. And I really like that. Hmm. It carries a different weight to it. I think the idea of making Jesus Christ famous is like in America, we think of fame as like a, a Brad Pitt person, you know, whereas making Jesus beautiful, I think is really kind of a call to discipleship in a way of like, if someone has, if someone leaves an encounter with me as a professing Christian and they don't come away with that encounter with me feeling like Jesus is inspiring me to be a more thoughtful, more caring, more tender, more gentle, more open-handed person, then I'm doing something wrong, right? And I think the, I think a very stark example in America these days is like, Many people are, I feel like, being driven to deconvert from evangelicalism because as long as evangelicalism is aligned with Trumpism, I don't want anything to do with that. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not glorifying God. Whereas to make Jesus beautiful is to say, like, this is how it inspires me, I guess. Hmm. That's so interesting that you bring up those two examples. That's interesting. I'm reminded of the Greek. Um the Greek word for glorify, doxazo. And there's two ways that it can be used. The first way is to ascribe like substance or weight to something. So like you're recognizing the substance or the value of something. And the other way that it's commonly used is when you're valuing, like showing value for what something truly is. So for example, giving glory to God, we are personally acknowledging or ascribing that God is true in character by giving glory to God. Mm. So we're like recognizing the substance of God. Which that brings me to kind of an idea of worship, Mm -hmm. of like worship being a reflection action of like taking the beauty of God and You know, I feel like worship leaders always talk about, like, it's not that we're reminding God of who he is. Obviously, he knows that. But the fact that we are actively choosing to reflect that back Mm -hmm. and proclaim those goodnesses about God is really what it's about. Yeah. is like us proclaiming it actually has a way of, like, downloading it further into our operating systems. Well, I was just thinking of all the hymns, at least like in the United Methodist tradition, all the hymns that have the word glory, whether in the title or just in the song. Like I was thinking of two off the top of my head that I was kind of humming along. And yeah, really, it is. It's you are you are reflecting and showing appreciation, admiration, joy to who God is. And we are giving praise to that. First of all, uh, I want to thank God, and then I want to thank oh my, my mom. <laughs> I would just, I would never have gotten here if it hadn't been for you two for believing in me. I owe this Emmy to you. <laughs> Glory to God. I think that like a lot of people, funny, like synonymize glory with credit. 
Ooh. Ooh. I remember story time. I remember I remember growing up in church and uh, one of our services had a choir and me and my buddy would like sometimes people would clap after the choir would give an anthem and sometimes they wouldn't. And like I was a kid, obviously. So like I don't I didn't know like all of the social cues. Right. So me and my buddy <laughs> would like try to start off the clap because we, we, we were like, why aren't people clapping? Like they did a great job. So like, we should like recognize that. Like we should start it. So like we would start it and like everyone would always clap because of, you know, social facilitation. Like that's how it works. <laughs> Some people start to clap, other people clap if it's socially appropriate. We weren't like being disruptive, right? Like we weren't like, it wasn't like it was done and it was somber and we were like, woo, clap, clap, clap. It was like we were starting the clap. And <laughs> one of the choir ladies afterwards, I, I think this has maybe happened a couple times. She like pulled me aside and she was like, it's not appropriate to clap after the choir sings. Like it's the glory goes to God, not to us or something. But I was like, even as a little kid, I was like, wait, I didn't say I was clapping for you. That's weird. Why are you talking to me about this? Like right. what? I'm just like, forwarding <laughs> the celebration. <laughs> yeah. I'm participating. What do you want from me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also and, if you uh, clapped in other instances, you know, like that's valid. Yeah, like I, I feel like at that point in my life, there I had already seen like so many services where the worship leaders like, let's give a shout of praise, and everyone claps like, and it's like in the context, the explanation is we are clapping to God, like kind of like, I don't remember which one of you just said it, <laughs> but like one of you was like, we're not like reminding God who God is, we're like reminding ourselves, we're framing it for ourselves, the mindset that we want to have yeah. towards God, but even in that, I think that a lot of people view the glory thing as like just credit. Like I, I couldn't have gotten here without God or like God made this happen. I had nothing to do with it. And it's like the weirdest humble brag. Yeah. It's a very Tim Tebow move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. That's funny. Like, well, if you had nothing to do with it, why did the other team lose? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so to answer your first question, Emily, cause that was kind of a rant. Um, the first phrase that comes to mind for me about Lazare's question is, I believe it's in James, where James is talking about true religion is caring for the widows and orphans. And I think it's like it's so obvious to me that Jesus's message is talking about what it means to love God and that we love God by loving our neighbor. And I almost brought this up in our last episode about grieving the Holy Spirit. Like, I think that there's some discussion that I've heard around, like, we don't want to make God sad. We want to do things God likes and that, like, gives God glory. Like, that makes God greater somehow. Or, like, the good action is seen. Like, as as much as Christians love to talk about, like, it's not about doing the right thing. Like, I think a lot of our, like, practical theology is actually about that in a lot of people's minds. Like we, mm-hmm. we don't want to do the wrong thing in God's eyes. We want to do the right thing in God's eyes, which is loving our neighbor. And like, I, I agree that that's true. Um, I think that like the glorified God language is interesting because like Stephen, I, I see what you're doing with like your examples of like, there's a, there's a difference between making 
Jesus famous versus making Jesus well known for beauty, like having beautiful followers in a way. Yeah. But I also like, mm. I don't know. I- I'm also still not sure I like that definition either. Like it, t- they both seem so close to me that I'm like, Jesus is already well known. Like we all already know Jesus. And then we all know the line. I like your Jesus, but I don't like your followers. Mm. So like what, what does it mean then to actually proclaim the goodness of, I actually think, I, I think of that phrase, actually, I think of like proclaiming the goodness of God. Like, what does it mean to like fully know that in ourselves and act that way in the world? Does that bring God glory? But also I think of like, mm. if, if God exists, God is the creator of the universe and God is enough glory. God doesn't need us to increase anything. So, I don't know. My mind's kind of all over the place. <laughs> I am really sitting with your last statement of God doesn't need us to increase anything or increase his glory. Because we have verses like the heavens declare the glory of God, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which that line of thinking always brings me to like, even if humanity failed to proclaim God's glory, then the rocks would start crying out and then the trees would start singing and like nature itself wouldn't be able to handle Mm. humanity's silence on the issue of God's glory that nature itself would begin to fill those gaps if we chose to leave those gaps vacant. Yeah. Because fundamentally like, I think I agree that God doesn't need us, but I think God wants us to do that. Yeah. And I don't think that's a, like a desire on God's part of like just getting off on being complimented, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like stroking his ego. I feel like it's truly something it's, it's asking for something reciprocal in the divine dance of it all. I like, I, I like to use the phrase of like worship is us completing the circuit and allowing like an electric charge to flow through Mm. of like, I think there's something that's actually happening in me and through me when I align myself with the goals, intentions and visions of the kingdom of heaven through the Christ. And I think ultimately that's what worship is intended to do. So no, I don't think God needs us to do that again, because We've, we have images of like nature would fill those gaps if we left it alone. But I think God truly just wants to like, it's like, it's as if God is inviting us to a party that we're just snubbing because we can't see how cool the party is. <laughs> that feels like a stupid example, but do you see where I'm going with that? But it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So what is the phrase, like, how do you feel about the phrase that you should live your life to glorify God or your life. You should live your life in a way that glorifies God. What Mm. do you do with that? Mm. I feel like what people actually mean when they say that is we should be morally good. Ooh. Mm. Like, okay. Okay. Other than some people might also mean it to mean at all times, preach the gospel. Like, like we should always be telling people about Jesus in addition to doing deeds. Um, which I to that I would say Jesus doesn't say that. And also Paul does not word it that way either. Like even if like you use Paul to back up that like like we are like Paul is giving us the obligation of 
spreading the gospel and telling people about the redemption story and all this stuff. Like he doesn't really word it like the only way to glorify God is to spread the gospel, even though he might be implying that maybe. I don't know. I'm trying to like think of a specific place he might be doing that, but I can't think of one. <laughs> uh, what was your original question? I, that kind of got away from me. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do with the phrase, live your life in a way that glorifies God? Or what does it mean to live your life in a way that glorifies God? I think this is a great example of pointing to people who lived great, loving, productive lives, like Gandhi. or like different activists that like people can point to and be like, arguably they were following in the footsteps of Jesus for reasons, A, B, and C. Hmm. Um, even though they didn't profess faith in Jesus. Like, I think even like exclusionary Christians can admit when people look like Jesus and that we should also, I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. And that we should also strive to live that way. And I think that that's honorable. Like I, like I think that at like the core basics of uh, like what people are tangibly asking and like the end product of loving your neighbor and like bettering the world around you. I I think that's good. Like, I I don't think that's bad, but the, I think the theological layering makes it less tangibly um, obvious, I guess. Mm. Like if, if you're only using the language of live your life to glorify God, like you have to take a couple steps before you're like, oh, I should donate to good causes or I should be active in my community. Like it maybe maybe that's kind of on purpose. Like maybe we do want people to think for themselves in that way, like come to their own conclusions about what it means to glorify God. Maybe that is the point of the question. But I think if we only think that glorifying God is giving God credit, I think that's mistaken. Yeah, I totally agree. Because I feel like the offloading of credit to a a divine being, A, I think it highlights or at least reveals, uh, it's like an implicit bias of like, God is more on my side than your side because I'm the one who's a successful musician or podcaster or actor or whatever, right? So like to give God the credit for being a great quarterback for a season in on the Denver Broncos of like all glory to God, all credit to him. I think that does something very subtle to say like, God must be more on my side than he is on your side. Mm. Also what it does is it almost gives me a sense of like false humility of like, I could not have done this without God. And in the case of especially an athlete, I'm like, I'm not so sure. I feel, I think there's a lot of self will that went into your training I think there was a lot that went into you developing those skills. And I w- I'm not convinced that you spending a good 30-minute devotional time in the morning before your practice is really what gave you the edge. I think you're just a good athlete. And I think it's okay to actually acknowledge the fact that even without God, we might be good at stuff. <laughs> and I don't think that robs God of any glory. If I'm honest, I feel like the glory of a good like a fantastic musician who isn't a Christian is like, wow, look at what God's creation can do. We make art. We make music. We make all these things that didn't exist before that came from the inspiration of our hearts Mm. and of our minds. You know, it's like, wow, like sure. Yo-Yo Ma is a 
beautiful musician, but he's not glorifying God. Like to that, I say bullshit. Like I, I think a fantastic cellist can glorify God, even if they've never read the Bible or prayed the sinner's prayer or whatever the, whatever you want out of that. So I guess my next question to you guys is what do you think it looks like for say a Buddhist or a Muslim to glorify God? Cause I think that happens daily. I think you should ask a Buddhist or a Muslim. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's to, fair. I don't know how to answer that question. Like, I'm a Christian giving a Christian's interpretation of how someone else praises God. That's sure. But then there are yeah. Christians who are on our side, quote unquote, or at least we've been part of the team. Like, for me, I've been part of the Reformed team before, and the Reformed team would say a Buddhist can't glorify God because they're not praying to God. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like yeah, I've but, encountered uh, Buddhists through podcasts and through books and all manners of art where it's like, wow, I feel like we're missing the point. If they just, if they, they're not picking up the badge of like being on the Christian team, but I feel like we're missing the point to say that they can't glorify God through what they're teaching or what they're living, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, to your point about like the heavens declare the glory of God, like, I feel like that's kind of revolutionary. Like, that is very inclusive. That is all encapsulating of the universe. Like, that's saying that simply yeah. by existing, somehow we bring glory to God, yeah. whatever that means. Yeah. Even in the most, like, Carl Sagan type of, like, we are stardust. Like, we are the heavens. We're already declaring the glory of God. Yeah. I think for me, that also acknowledges the simplicity of the universe's relationship to God. Ooh. Like, like it's interesting that the biblical author is saying the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens are not talking. They are not giving mm. any meaningful linguistic meaning outwardly. And uh <laughs> Stephen, I'm reminded of your review of So Will I over on the worship review. Like if the heavens are declaring the glory of God, then so will I, but also so am I. Ooh. Like, and surely, mm. like the surely the universe is not. I mean, you could argue against this, but the 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 universe is not preaching the story of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. You could argue, according to that one verse in Paul, that like oh, there's no excuse because like you look at the universe and clearly there's a creator, but like that's not clear to everyone. Like we're looking at the pictures of the James Webb telescope that are coming out right now still. And Mm. uh, I'm not quite sure how to describe how they don't invoke a ton for me. Like, sure, it's incredible that we can see the universe, but like, I don't know. (laughs) It's not like as mind-blowing to me as it used to be, I guess. Maybe it should be more, but it's really interesting to see like different, different conclusions that people come to just by seeing a picture. Like mm-hmm. Christians seeing the picture of the, oh my gosh, what's that one picture about like the cliff of the universe that's in a nebula or whatever? Mm, yeah. Um, and people who are uh, believers in God saying like, oh my gosh, how could you see this and not believe in God? And, <laughs> and then uh, non-religious people seeing it and being like, oh my gosh, science and the universe is just incredible. Like it's, it invokes a sense of offer, like, Anyone who looks at it and through their yeah. own lens, they come to a different conclusion or the people who go the route of aliens and being like, oh my gosh, like there must be life somewhere, even though 
all of those things are like hinging on uncertainty. Like there's so much about the universe we don't know. And there's, there's nothing about those pictures that scientifically proves God's existence. But the act of observing, I think, can teach us a lot in like what, like how many different types of conclusions it leads to or like what it confirms for us. Mm. Um, so anyway, going back to glorifying God, like I think that if someone's heuristic is to glorify God and that's leading them to uh, harm reduction and generosity and mutual love and aid and becoming better in themselves and trying to expel greed and trying to grieve with those who grieve, like we talked about on the last episode, like surely that's great. But I think, I don't think when I do those things, like when I make a conscious effort to do those things, I don't think I'm thinking of, I have to do this to glorify God. Like if I don't do this, God is not glorified. Like that seems like a weirder motivation to me, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Like even the football player who's giving glory to God, I don't think, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think they're like about to throw the pass thinking if I don't make this pass, God isn't glorified. But like when they make the pass, they're like, God is glorified. I don't know. Uh, Do you kind of see like the disconnect I'm trying to highlight? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what to Mm -hmm. think of that. That is interesting because in those situations, are they only giving glory to God when they are victorious or successful? And shouldn't we glorify God in all moments of life? Like, shouldn't we still show substance or see the substance that is God in all of our moments, not just in those times where we are thriving and successful and victorious or famous or however you want to define it? I think that might line up with the theology of like anything that happens that is good must be because of God, because I am so bad that I can't do anything good. Mm. Or even if you want to invoke like Satan and demons into the conversation of like, no, God doesn't get the glory for bad that happens to me because it's not his fault. You know, I feel like that's a takeaway that often happens with the book of Job is like, well, God wasn't the one who sent the tornado or like killed all the family or like ruined all the crops. It was really Satan. I mean, like in parentheses and asterisk, it's like, yeah, but God gave Satan permission. So what the, what does that mean for God's culpability and the whole thing? But that's not the point. Mm -hmm. It's just like the theology that would say that anything good can only be born of God is therefore like, no, it's not, it's not God's glory. It's just, it helps reinforce a, bias toward total depravity to say good equals God, bad equals me. But what about those moments where they're not good or bad? Like they just are. Yeah, I think they just are. And I think for, I think someone entrenched, boy, this is going to sound like I've like figured it out and other people haven't, but that's not what I want to convey. I'm just saying like someone who doesn't know how to like get their heads above the clouds of dualism is like, you're going to have to sort it to good or bad either way. And even if the scale is tipping a millimeter in one direction, it's like, Oh, well it's bad. You know, like, of course I, I recognize that Emily of like, some things just are, and we don't have to ascribe good or bad, but I think a theological paradigm that continues to like, grow an impulsive muscle to label good or bad eventually like it it takes a lot to 
learn how to see above that type of thinking. We just want to say how honored we are that you listen to Ravel. Seriously, there's a lot of great shows out there, and we're grateful to be in your feed. Thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology. If you want to support what we're doing, the best way to help is to tell a friend about us. We want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between. And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency. For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color. Ravel is a founding podcast of the Highline Media Network. And here's a word from one of our sister shows, No Normal People. Oh, it is amazing what the like the human mind can like experience and go through and still and still like thrive mm-hmm. and like yeah. make it through. Like it is it is wild. Insane. The things that we can endure. And I think that's something that I really like I've been trying to dig in and think about like why am I okay? Like <laughs> I I, I, I think should about that I okay. should not be as good I as I am. Be really right. not okay. Like wow. I should be really <laughs> bad. Like what what how like how am I okay? Right. Wow. And that's something that like I know I've done a lot of hard work to like be here, but mm-hmm. also still like I still don't get it. Like <laughs> <laughs> And so I think that there's also like that realness of mm-hmm. like I think I've always dreamed of like coming out of all of this and having like a pinpoint stop date. Like, this is when I'm okay. This is when it's better. We're Tie tying it up. It. I mean, that's something I talk about in therapy all the time. And my therapist is always quick to be like, this isn't going to end. Yeah. No. Like, and that's There's always going to be something. Someone's going to say something or do something yeah. that reminds you of something. And right. like, immediately exactly. you're back you- in that. Josh, you know how the first miracle of Jesus is pretty famously him turning water into wine at a wedding? Yeah, I mean, that's if he existed, but yes, continue. Uh, Well, I also find in scripture that we are told that we are empowered to do greater things even than this, and I think he probably meant turning water into delicious coffee. Okay, sure, but that implies that he would have been using instant coffee, and I think we all know that Jesus was an AeroPress man. Oh, great point. So what that means is that we can also do this. We can grow in the miracle of coffee, whether it's pour over, whether it's a quick morning espresso or a French press. Guess what? We sell coffee. Yes. And you can order it directly from our website. That's highline.network forward slash shop. I also think it's weird when People theologize about God being glorified when the outcome is very negative. Like, 
God is still glorified despite like because I think your your question is really interesting, Emily. Like, should mm. God not be glorified in the losses and not just in the wins? Like, I I see where you're coming mm-hmm. from because I also think that that like God only being glorified in the wins is very tied to like the tribalistic deity mindset, especially like uh, early Israel is a great example. Like they believe their their God was winning, so like them this this gets kind of Greg Boydian, but the early Israelites communicating about them defeating and killing all these people, what they were communicating was our God beats your God. And yeah. like it was tribalistic. Right. And like, I th- so I think we still like have that tendency today, but I-, I think where it gets really choppy is when, when uh, people theologize about like something that's negative and they're like, God is glorified in that. Like, it sounds really weird when you're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, this hurricane that just swept through and 200 people died. God is glorified by that. Like, ooh, that like that sounds not good. Like, it sounds like yeah. you're saying God benefited from those people suffering. And I think that that's what is such a huge turnoff to like th- that flip side of what you're asking, even though I, I don't disagree with you that like, surely we can see God and God's direction of love in every situation. Like surely it's there. But I I think maybe that's what turns me off about the idea of glorifying God being like credit or benefit to God. Yeah. Like God needs us to do something for God's cognitive approval or to like give God more brownie points. Like <laughs> <laughs> Like yeah, I don't know. Like, because certainly in the midst of tragedy, there's arguably more room for the opportunity to love and care for a community, like in a way that wasn't there in the everydayness of life. But Mm. to like frame it around like, oh, yeah, this happened so that we could glorify God and love people. Like that was the purpose of this. Like, oh, man, framing does matter, doesn't it? That feels really bad. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I have like an icky feeling in my stomach now thinking about that. You Sorry. Know? <laughs> no, because it, no, but that's the thing. Like, it's true because you hear that more often than you realize. Yeah. Maybe it's something to do with like trying to tie God's glorification to an event, like a singular in time and space event rather than an overtime and through space process. Because, mm-hmm. like, to use a very stark example, like, I think God was not glorified in the events of September 11th, 2001 in New York City. Uh, Like, I think nothing about God's character was actually highlighted in an appropriate way or in a glorified way of an attack like that, claiming that many lives and having that many ripple effects through, I mean, even just a global economy, but just all the people that were related to the people affected even like Americans, we all took that incredibly personally, you know, however you were related to it. But so while, while I don't think God was at all glorified in the event that happened, that being angry people using what has become like an everyday tool of trade and commerce and travel being a plane and using that as a weapon to claim that many lives. I don't think God was glorified in that. And if we say somehow 
or if we're trying to cling to the idea of like the day after saying God will be glorified through this, I think that betrays like maybe it's not an event that does it, but maybe it's the process of like watching a community come together and all the first responders be like true heroes in the face of extreme danger um, and watching a community heal and watching a community mourn appropriately and choose to do what they do to remember that event. But I, I guess what I'm saying is like, I think God may have been glorified through the process of a community coming together, learning to support each other. But that event was nothing close to glorifying God in such a tremendous act of evil. I like that. I can get on board with that. Emily, you're the only person here with actual legitimate theological training. (laughs) What do you think it means to glorify God? I think it's everything that we've been saying. And I'm going to try to like wrap it up nicely in a bow. So we'll see how this goes. I think it's giving recognition and maybe a sense of credit, maybe to God, but not because God is the one that needs it, but it's because we need the reminder of who God is. And so it allows us to process and to give value to something for us to process through, not so much because God needs the value, but because we need to we need to have a sense of value for ourselves because we may have a sense of total depravity and we may see ourselves or the world or our situations as bad or worthless or unworthy. And so for us to glorify gives us a process where we can say, I may feel this way or it may seem this way, but God is not. Like God is good and God is magnificent and wonderful and loving and caring. And it's it's giving us this window to process and to give value, not because God needs it, but because we need to do it for ourselves. I think it's trying to make sense of who God is, and it's just one of the ways to do it. You know what? I, I like that answer. That's a good answer. Very, very summarized <laughs> from a very rabbit trailing conversation. <laughs> um, but to add another rabbit trail, I'm reminded of um, what I've been hearing some people talk about in recent years that I think is most, I think it's more common in charismatic circles, um, talking about honor culture. Oh. Which I think is really interesting. Have you guys heard people talk about this? No. A little bit, I think. I enlighten. As far as I can tell, I'm not I'm not like super well read on it and I don't listen <laughs> frequently to anyone who uh preaches about this. But like for instance, I've heard people preach on this at Bethel and some other people who identify as charismatic on Instagram talking about honor culture and I guess the best way I could faithfully describe it is focusing on the fifth commandment of honor your father and mother and applying that to spiritual mentorship and discipleship. And I feel like there's an interesting tie in there to like paying tribute to, I have some, I have some thoughts about that whole thing, but I feel like there's an interesting tie in to like honor and glory. Like, if you like honor where you've come from, is does, is that the same thing as like glorifying where you came from? Like I think that we talk a lot about like we shouldn't glorify violence, but like what's the difference between like saying yay violence and 
like it just being a normal part of media or life or like depictions of tragedy or whoa that's crazy that you mentioned that because i've been thinking recently about how because like growing up i was very into like war movies or even like Uh you could argue like even high fantasy stuff is very like war oriented like harry potter is all about the war between harry potter and voldemort or lord of the rings right like it's all it's all very war centric and as a person who is very skeptical of whether war really solves anything, I've been thinking about how the best war movies should make people leave that movie being anti-war. Like Ooh, a good yeah. war movie should convince mm-hmm. you to be anti-war mm-hmm. because it is appropriately showing you how horrific it is. Yeah. It doesn't glorify the violence in the sense of like, let me inspire you to join the army or whatever, to be a part of this great thing we're doing. It should be like, no, man, this is messy and this is ugly and we should want less of it. Mm. Mm. Josh, you were just speaking about honor culture and it, and I, I, under, I, I get it now. I understand what you're talking about. But I'm wondering, because honor can be taken away. Can glory be taken away? Oh. I guess it could be in the sense uh, in this like in this theology of glory. I guess it could be argued that if you explicitly decide uh, my life is not going to glorify God anymore, I'm just going to go sin, and I like still think it's sin, and I'm only doing it so I don't glorify God, like almost in like a prodigal son kind of way, <laughs> like classic. So I guess maybe like if you did that, but again, like it, unless you believe glory is like a tangible thing that can be added and subtracted or multiplied or whatever. Like, if it's a thing that can be mathed, I think that's the only way it makes sense that it's actually removed. I feel like okay. maybe that is the similarity I'm seeing in the honor-glory parallel is, like, in my mind, the focus is on the individual and the individual's cognitive frame and behavior towards something else. Well, I feel like honor, though, is something that's collectively, like, defined or, like, socially. Oh, conferred to, whereas I think dignity is individualized. Okay. Well, say more about uh, why you think honor is socialized. Is that what you said? Yeah, like it's, I think, I'm thinking of, I don't know if this is the best example, but like Mulan, right? Her village places honor on men going off to war and women marrying soldiers and making babies, right? Like that wasn't an individual deciding that that was what would bring honor to if it was that culture decided that that is how you bring honor to a family whereas mulan like as an individual she was like yeah no like (laughs) i Mm. i don't think that's how i bring honor to my family and so i'm wondering if glory is different in the sense of is glory individualized whereas honor is more communal or socially defined yeah i see what you're saying that's a good question i like that hmm i don't know i don't know either (laughs) is there a difference between honoring god and glorifying god Uh, mm. or are they just like theological synonyms that we just love to throw around sure like why does the catechism say the chief end of man why doesn't it say the chief end of man is to honor god i don't know if there's an amplified there should be a difference then yeah if there's an amplified (laughs) catechism it would say the chief end of man is to honor, 
glorify, admonish, and act towards God. And to enjoy, be delighted. <laughs> that is the most choppy Bible translation. Who thought it was a good idea to just put a thesaurus in the Bible? Well, no, because that's okay. That is a valid point because the hymn, all glory, laud, and honor, right? If they all mean the same thing, couldn't you just say all glory or just all laud or just all honor? Like, why do you have to have all three? So there should be, there, three there must be something. Okay. Three in one, it's the okay. trinity of concepts. It, it doesn't say, the, the translation is never glorify thy mother and father. No, it's not. Maybe one, I could see someone making a case for honor being uh, past focused and glory being present focused, question mark, something like that, like mm. some sort of temporal well, definition. Wouldn't honor be future focused? No, I think of like the way I've heard people talk about honor, like towards your father and mother and or like where you've come from. Like, I would almost argue that there's such like a nationalistic mm, okay. bent right now in America because of like a form of national honor culture. Like the only way to love your country is to have the like highest regard for its past. Mm -hmm. And like the, the past okay. is better than the future, something like that. So like, I, th I think that the way people talk about honor, whether it's spiritual or national or parental, I almost always hear people talk about it in terms of the past. Do you feel like you hear people talk about it in terms of the present? Not really. I think it's past or future, but not present. What aspects of the future do you see in honor or glory? Well, I, I, again, like Mulan, right? To bring honor <laughs> to the family, she has to do these things in the present, but it's so in the future, they now have this value, you know, this worth that's on them but that that is to come that hasn't happened yet oh okay i i see i think i see what you're saying yeah like like honor is a continual act rather than a a one-time concert so then, what's, so then what's glorifying is that a continual honor. thing too <laughs> yeah that's good maybe maybe honor is continuing to listen to an artist instead of just going to a concert but glorifying is clapping at the concert. I don't know. That's way too youth pastory, but maybe that helps. <laughs> so I don't is know. glorifying in the moment and honoring is a continuation after the moment has ended? Yeah, or both? I don't know. Because if that's the case, then I I don't know if I like that. But maybe that is. I don't. What do you think, Stephen? Stephen, what do you think? We're getting stuck in the synonyms over here. We're in linguistic hell over here. Yeah, we do that, <laughs> don't we? 99 episodes in, we haven't figured out how to avoid this. <laughs> I'm reminded of the phrase for death and glory. Huh. And I feel like I've heard that invoked in like in books or movies or whatever of like soldiers saying like, let's do this heroic thing for death and glory to say like, well, I mean- Death is irreversible, and in that sense, it makes me want to say glory is also irreversible. Like, to be glorified is to mm. always be enshrined in that position. So in that sense, like, maybe the temporal definition of glory is that it's really eternal in a way. It can't be taken away. So, like, I think of, you know, do we honor our founding fathers in America, even though they were kind of 
fucked up individuals or do we glorify them? I would argue we don't glorify them because we're actually taking a critical eye to what they've done and we can say, yes, we honor you for what you did, but also, what the heck, man? Slavery? Are you kidding me? You know what I mean? Look, man, they were, they were 18 and 19. They had no idea what they were doing. Sure. I mean- Or did they? But also at 18 and 19, I didn't have slaves, so- <laughs> Fair point. Does that make me better than them? I don't know. I, uh, I feel like honor has more, to Josh's point, to do more of like past-oriented to pay respect toward, and glorify does feel more like it's more in the present in a state of like awe and admiration. I also think, I think of honoring as like following in someone's footsteps too. Right. Like maybe it's just because I'm still thinking about honor culture. And I think of glorifying as acknowledging that something is greater than you. Like even just like the classic step of AA, like acknowledge that a power greater than yourself, that you need the help of that. Mm. I don't know. I feel like there's something in there in the definition of glorifying that like something is greater than you somehow. What do you think all this practically means, though? (laughs) I feel like that might be the heart of Lazare's question is like, what, sure, honor, glorify, there's differences maybe, but like, what does that look like? (laughs) What does that, how how do we? Well, if we're going by my definition, yeah, if we're going by my definition that I just gave, the chief end of man is to acknowledge that there's a creator being much, much greater than me and I should enjoy that. Mm. Right. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That. I don't know how else to put that right now. That's just like the thought that was like right off the top of my head. I like that. It's like an anti-solipsism of like acknowledge that you're not the center of the universe and be okay with that. I, yeah. I mean, that seems pretty, pretty close to that. Yeah. Like this isn't about me. Right. And that's my the point of me. <laughs> Actually, I think that that's why I was trying to tie in the whole universe thing, because I think that for a lot of people, seeing the grandeur and the wonder of the universe makes you feel small. And it just like centers you like we were talking about grief on the last episode. It like it makes you realize how out of control you are of everything. And there's nothing you can do about it. And that we don't have to like despair about that. Like we can enjoy it. I like that. Well, thank you. I just thought of it. Yeah. (laughs) What a question. Thank you, Lazare. Thank you for a wonderful question. Yes. Agreed. I don't know if we actually answered it. I don't know if we ever will. (laughs) The point of the catechism is that we're always figuring it out. I mean, that was kind of Josh's point very early on was like maybe the point is just that it just continues to make us ask questions and wonder about it. Mm. Well, my friends, here's to episode 99 in the bag. Tune in next week for when we leave the 99 for the 100. (laughs) (laughs) I thought of that joke like four episodes ago and I've been very proud of it. That's funny. (laughs) I'm also very proud of that. I honor that you. That's solid. I, I honor you and your joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, man. It feels so crazy that we're next week, we're unveiling episode 100 after like two years of doing this together. 
that. Yeah, like two years to a T. Yeah. So I guess just thank you to you two for keeping on doing this thing with with me and doing this together. Like it, you do me the honor of all the time we spend together, and I greatly oh. enjoy it. I also thought it would be a perfect opportunity to actually shout out everyone who has been a part of our Patreon since we ever launched it. Like it's so, I feel like I say it a lot, but it, it truly does. It feels like it just like flattens me with gratitude every time I think about like this podcast didn't exist and then it did. And then these people liked it enough to actually be a part of it and join the community and like get to know us and bring their thoughts to our discord and like enter our lives in ways that we could not have imagined possible beforehand. So along those lines, I'd like to give a huge thank you to Jeff, Courtney, Tyler, Adriana, Jennifer, Brandon, Anna, Chad, Danelle, Lazare, Zach, Jonathan, Christina, Jenny, Jamie, and Jonathan for joining, for just being part of this. We said it a ton of times on the episode, <laughs> so it sounds a little cheesy at this point, but it really is an honor. Uh, we feel very loved being supported by y'all and getting to know every one of you, and <laughs> it's, it's a journey. It's kind of incredible. It's been, it's been a blast. I feel like we're signing off for the last time, but we're absolutely not. No, not at all. It's oh, just... we are nowhere <laughs> near the end. No. We just recognize that it feels like a chapter is closing that feels very exciting. And there's so much to look forward to. Of the double digits. Like next episode. We're doing a mailbag episode. It's yes. It's going to be a blast. Yes. We're going to have fun so with it. So good. All right, Emily, how do you close the 99th episode of Ravel then? Well, as I mentioned in our episode, it made me think of a very well-known hymn, at least in the Methodist world, uh, To God Be the Glory. And there's a section in here that I just really love. Um, so I'm just going to read part of those lyrics because I think it just is a wonderful way to give honor and laud and glory and any other synonym <laughs> Wow! <laughs> to, to a wonderful creator. So great things he has taught us, great things he has done, and great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our worship when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. And welcome to No Normal People. This is a show where we prove that the more you get to know the normal people in your life, you discover that there really are no normal people in your life. You know how there's like famous people in the world that are known very well and how they go on podcasts? Yeah. Well, we don't do that. Marketable names and yeah, audience. Buzzwords, and, buzz yeah, names. Social following. Yeah. And, John yeah. Buzz. And, well, we interview people like your Uncle Terry, who collects model trains. Because he's normal. We'll even interview you, even if you don't have the cool trains that your uncle has. You can email us at nopeoplepod at gmail.com or visit our show page on www.highline.network to sign up to be on the show. And remember, 
The only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well. Highline Media Network, artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.